Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. And welcome into the uh, Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast, the 2022 season premiere. If you were on the three-minute version from earlier today, we have to apologize. I was having some uh, hopefully not a a, uh, a a little bit of a foreshadow for the season. <laughs> I was having some internet difficulty. Had to go and correct that. And uh, Skyler's a busy man today. Uh, he is all over the place. So uh, I think ESPN is right behind us. So. Uh, welcome to those that are here with us today. Training camp for the Charlotte, Pan- uh, Charlotte Panthers, the Carolina Panthers uh, starts this week down in Spartanburg. Skyler will be down there reporting all week long for Sports Illustrated. If you want to follow him on Twitter, you could do so at Callahan underscore. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's D-E-Z Des underscore three five zero five. Today, we're going to get into uh, Skyler and mine's six biggest training camp storylines heading into the 2022 uh, Panthers camp here uh we've made it through all the summer uh players are gonna start reporting tomorrow and uh camp starts on wednesday so before we dig in here and get to the, the nitty-gritty of everything skylar uh, how are you feeling going into this camp uh with all the off-season moves the draft uh matt Rule still here um just everything that's gone down since the season ended how are you feeling going into the uh the training camp pretty optimistic or pretty even keeled Let's say I would say it's pretty even cue. I mean, I think clearly the roster has improved. Like, I mean, the draft, I thought they did really well, even though I don't think they have as many high caliber players from this draft class. I mean, you only had six picks, so it's probably not going to have have that many anyways. But I think they did well with the draft picks that they did have. Uh, You you addressed a big need with E.K. McQuanu. You got maybe your quarterback in the future, Matt Crow. I think they got a stud linebacker in Brandon Smith couple of defense or a couple of other depth guys down the, the, the chart there. So, um, you know, with that and the, obviously the, the upgrades that they made on the offensive line, I think you got to feel good about where, where things are headed because I think last year, you know, it, it was kind of a weird off season. You signed Cam Irving, Pat Elfline, day one free agency. Everyone's all ticked off. They passed on the quarterbacks. Like it was just kind of a weird off season, even though they did have some good signings. This one, I think the, the whole fan base, I think is kind of on the same page. Like they, they, they like the direction that this team is heading in, in terms of, you know, the moves that they made to improve the O-line. They got a quarterback in here that could maybe help them win now. So I think, you know, at at least there's a chance, right? You know, two weeks ago, you know, I think you would still feel better, but with Sam Darnold and PJ Walker, Matt Corral as your quarterbacks, I don't know how good you really feel. So I think just having Baker here, I think is definitely going to, to give people, a little bit of hope. I'm excited. I, I wasn't, I was thinking about it last year. I wasn't as excited last year at this time as I am this year, primarily because we kind of knew going into it at this point that it was Sam Darnold to, you know, to be the starter. And we didn't have anything really 
It was PJ oh. Walker, and that's it. Yeah, it was PJ Walker and Sam Darnold. They were in the room. That was it. And uh, we oh, didn't I'm, know. And my boy Will Greer, but he he got beat out. Oh yeah, Will Greer was in there too. Yeah. Plus, it's we were coming so off a, we were coming off a year where our Superman Christian McCaffrey had been injured uh, for the first time really in his football career and missed a large chunk of games. So we didn't know what was going to happen there. And like you alluded to, Skyler, the uh, the offensive line. It literally looked like it was something that they decided to kick down the road, like what they did with the yeah. offensive line at this point last year, bringing in Elfline and uh, some of those guys who we all kind of knew weren't starters in the league, but they were touting them as such. So we were a little concerned about that, and that kind of played out the way many of us thought it would uh, over the course of the 2021 season. But there were some positives uh, in the season. The Panthers' defense finished second overall in yards allowed, which is pretty nuts considering the core of that defense – has been drafted over the past uh, two drafts, really. And uh, we saw some bright spots. You know, DJ Moore, uh, security bag, got his extension. This is criminally underrated uh, wide receiver. He's had 1,100 yards each of the past three seasons. I think he's one of a handful of wide receivers to ever do that. And if you consider who's been throwing to DJ Moore since he got to Carolina, that's pretty remarkable in itself. Uh, definitely a top 10 wide receiver. Madden, if you're listening, DJ Moore is a top 10 wide receiver. We're not going to go to the whole – Madden ratings thing that everybody does the last two weeks of July when there's nothing else going on. Uh, we're going to get past that, even though there's a lot of Panthers on there that I thought were kind of strangely rated. They, they had McCaffrey rated as the, I think the second highest uh, running back in the whole thing. He hadn't yeah. really played in two years. So, <laughs> so I can't really can't say one way or another about those, but um, before we get into our biggest storylines for the training camp for 2022, you need to read uh to pay some bills here from our uh, sponsors at Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your, force, your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5050, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And where we will start are our six big storylines heading into 2022 training camp. And Mr. Callahan, I will let you kick this thing off here. What's uh? You have three, I have three. We're going to go back and forth here. What's uh, one of your biggest storylines you're looking at here as you uh, head down to Spartanburg tonight or tomorrow? I think we just got to address the elephant in the room, right? Let's just get that out of the way let's first. Go ahead and do it. <laughs> let's, let's break down this this quarterback situation. You bring in Baker Mayfield. But I think, you know, from the outside, everyone just expects that this is going to be Mayfield's team right out of the gate. And you already knew as soon as this trade was going to go down that it was going to be deemed open competition. Everybody knows that. that Scott. That's what Scott Fitter was going to say. That's what Matt Rule said today. We all knew that that's what the words were going to come out of those guys' mouth were. And – at first, I was like, you know, I don't think I'm going to believe it when they do say that. Um, but the more and more that I deeply thought about this, and I think I may have said this on the rundown a couple of weeks ago, you got to think about everything that goes into this. Yes, Baker Mayfield is 100% more talented than Sam Darnold. But you got to look at the time frame of when this deal happened, right? This happened in July. He had two and a half weeks, if that, maybe not even two and a half weeks, to kind of get a little bit of that playbook down before they get to Spartanburg. So he's going to get what? Maybe if you combine all of his 
in-game preseason reps into one performance, it may equal what he would do in a in a regular in one regular season game, maybe. So for him to to for Mayfield to come in and win this starting job, he's gonna not only have to out compete Sam Darnold in very limited action in preseason play, but then he's gonna have to look even better than Sam in practice. And I just don't I don't think when you put Sam and Baker together that Baker's going to be the quarterback that stands out because Sam's got the bigger arm. He's stronger. He's bigger. He can move around a lot better than Baker. So when you're just doing this kind of stuff and you're doing the initial like maybe seven-on-seven stuff and you're going through the first week or so of training camp, Sam Darnold is going to look better, and he should because he's been here in this offense for, what, four or five months now. Yeah. So to me – I would probably lean towards saying, yes, Sam Darnold will, will be the guy that gets the most number one reps at the start. I don't know. I asked Matt Rule today. He didn't want to share. He said he, he'll let me know tomorrow. Um, but <laughs> he, and I'll go ahead and quote what he said. He said that he hadn't had the conversations yet with said quarterback. So once he does, does that, he'll come back to me and tell me what's going to happen. Probably won't. But Yeah, I'm sure he'll, he'll <laughs> top of his list. He's going yeah. <laughs> to. But, like but what, I, what I think everyone's forgetting is, like I said, the time frame to come in for Baker is very, very short. And for him to learn everything in that quick of time to gain that chemistry with his receivers and all that other stuff. And the other thing, to, there's two other things I want to put into this, two other components. One, Sam Darnold's still getting paid $18 million. I think that's getting forgotten about. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money that I don't think they just want to be sitting on the sideline. If he has a chance to win this job, they may let him have that opportunity. The other thing is I'm I'm of, of the of the thinking that you can't go back to Sam Darnold once you turn on him because the self-confidence has really never been there with Sam right. Darnold. We saw it last year. It's this big thing with him. He just he seems to not have the belief in himself to take his game to the next level. If you turn off of Sam Darnold now, there's no going back to him. I think if you start with Sam Darnold and things hit the fan, you can go to Baker and he's going to be okay because he has been through this before. He has been through adversity time and time again through his college career, his NFL career, and so on and so forth. So I think Baker is better equipped to be the guy that maybe doesn't start the season and then does because of, you know, unfortunate circumstances. I don't think you can do that the other way around. Yeah, I would agree. And we talked about this, uh, you know, when we were on the rundown two weeks ago and I was having the internet issues, Uh, I kind of missed the entire Panther segment that was going on. But one of the, uh, the things I had brought up when they brought Baker in, my immediate thought was this is similar to like a Jake DeLome type situation where if you see, if you saw someone like Cam Newton in his prime and practice, there was a chance you might see something in practice you've never seen like a, a human do before. You know, like he just physically he stood out in terms of what he was as an athlete. Jake was never that. Jake never did anything in practice that made you go, oh, I've never seen, you know, a pass like that before or look at that spiral or anything like that. There was nothing he really did that kind of amazed you in practice. And, and he was just a Sunday baller. Like, he would come out, and he had a little Brett Favre in him, that, that Cajun feistiness to him. And I kind of see a little bit of that in Baker in terms of what attracted me to him as a player and what makes me not attracted to Sam Darnold. And we've talked about it on this podcast. It's the that that it factor that uh, guys want to follow you. Um, 
looks the wall for you. Working as a team. I mean, guys, yeah. guys want to play for somebody like that. Right. You want to follow somebody that's going to put their neck out and do something like that. There's nothing physically about Baker that, that wows you. But what he will do is the same thing as what Jake would do. He'll take chances. Uh, he'll, he'll, he'll try to stick it in some place where he probably has no business trying to put it in there. And every once in a while it'll, it'll work. And I'll be like, wow, how did that happen? That's a 75, that's a 75 yard touchdown in the Super Bowl. Who, who would have thought that would have come from, you know, Jake DeLone Baker Mayfield is similar to that cut of cloth. Now what I could see happening, and I do agree with you, Sam, you know, has a head start. So if Sam is not the starter first quarter of week one, I would actually be shocked because that means he was much further behind than we even thought in McAdee's playbook because he's had it for a couple months before Baker did. I could see a situation unfold exactly the same way Jake DeLone became the starter, which was uh, 03 season, game one, Rodney Pete is the starter. Jake DeLone, little, no one really knows who he is, came from the Arena League. He's, he's the backup. Rodney Pete turns in a stinker of a first half. I can't even remember who they were playing. It might have been Tampa. I can't remember who it was. And, uh, they start Jake second half. Um, he comes in third quarter, leads him down the field for a touchdown. And just like that, it was like you knew they weren't going back to Rodney Pete and Jake DeLone was going to be the guy that year. And he took him on this magical ride that ended up in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. I could kind of see something like that happening. I keep re- I'm reminding my friends because they're like, oh, you you picked the Panthers to have 11 wins. And oh, my gosh, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, any year the Panthers have been like really good, like out the blue good. No one picked them for anything. Like oh five, oh three, uh 2015, they weren't selected to be the the odds on favorite to win the NFC South or to make it to the Super Bowl or 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 be like that squad. Whenever they have a year like that, it's out of nowhere. But people like us who follow them day after day, we can kind of see the components there. It's just a matter of can they can they put the ingredients together correctly to make the soup taste good? And I think they've got the ingredients. It's, it really is gonna come down to uh, one of my actual storylines, and that's Matt uh, Matt Rule, and Coach Matt Rule, uh, in terms of people have said that he's been on a hot seat, and in theory he should be, but we haven't really caught that vibe that he's actually on a hot seat. Uh, in fact, Matt Rule, he's basically walked around as if he's not on a hot seat and has been reassured that he's not. David Tepper, the owner, doesn't really get into these things, and he did speak to us, what was that, right after the end of the season, before they stopped the uh, – it was, uh, it was actually right before the draft, I believe. So it would have been like in the February, March, somewhere in there. He came out. Yeah, and he and he kind of gave a stamp of well, not a stamp of approval. He just said he wasn't going to fire the dude. Like you know, <laughs> that's pretty much all he said. But again, I tell people all the time, David Tepper is the richest owner in the league for a reason. He is a billionaire for a reason. If he He's not going to give a dude a seven-year, sixty-plus million-dollar deal, then fire him after year two when the first year was COVID and the dude couldn't even meet his players until July. Like it's just, and understand this. And, and that third year, as we've pointed out many, many times, is that that crucial year for Matt and his rebuild. Now, does that mm-hmm. translate to the NFL? Is that same timeline look you know similar to what it should? You know, what his one in college, I don't know, but that's the guy's history, right? That's his blueprint. Year three is when you start winning football games. Why cut the guy loose? before you get to that year where things are supposed to turn. Yeah. I mean, this is this, they've been building to this year, like each year they have done something specific with the draft and the off season. The first year gut the entire defense, build the entire defense out of the draft, filled in the holes with some free agents. See if you can get lucky with a couple of those. They did with Hassan Raddick, uh, Stefan Gilmore. They gave up a little bit of draft collateral for kind of a wasted year, but we could see what they were doing. And then last year it was more about, 
uh, filling in more gaps on the defense, starting to fill in some gaps on offense, and trying to find a quarterback. This past uh, offseason, it, it, it was strictly offensive line. We got to fix the offensive line. Everything else comes after that. And we saw from their moves from what they've done. Uh, head coach Matt Rule did speak to the media today via Zoom. Skyler was in the uh, in there asking questions. I did pull this clip from uh, Matt Rule where uh, I don't think this was you that was asking the question. I couldn't hear who it was, but they were asking him about being on the proverbial hot seat and how's how does it you know feel being on it and did he ever feel like he was on it? It's a little bit of a longer clip, but I wanted to play it in its entirety because to me it kind of explains where Matt Rule is uh, right now. In his place as head coach of the Carolina Panthers, this uh, this audio courtesy of Panthers.com. You know, uh, last year's to me is over. You know, it's kind of like a kind of like golf. You know, you 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 play a bad round, and you know you sit there and you say, you know, you feel terrible about your game, and then all of a sudden you show up the next day and you play golf again. You know, and it's like, hey, I, I could have a great round. And so, um, I thought we did a lot of things well early in the year. And then, you know, just down the stretch, we, we, I didn't get it done. We didn't get it done. And so that's our job. It's a results-oriented business. And, when, and I certainly don't want to be a part of an organization that tolerates, you know, mediocrity and a lack of success. And so uh, that's got to start with me. So um, do you like that? No. But at the end of the day, I, I can promise you, like, my life is about winning and losing. And so I don't like losing. So that, that affected me as much as anything else, um, you know, things with my family. My, you know, there's, there's un, my son's here working as an equipment manager you know he's going to go play ping pong with christian mccaffrey today uh there's you know you get amazing opportunities like that some bad stuff will come along the way but i I want to make sure i say this people in charlotte have been amazing to my family absolutely amazing uh like you know i'm a regular guy like you know i i i I, you'll you see me at the park you'll see me out to eat with my wife like i'm not you know i'm i'm nothing special like i'm a regular guy and so people when i see them on the street have been amazing so this year, I expect to win. You know, I want to win. I've never had uh, 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 going gone into a season and said, well, "I hope I could only win this many games to keep my job." I'm not doing that, man. I I want to I, I want to win at the highest level, just like Christian does, just like Shaq does, just like everybody in this organization does. And that's why you know I woke up today ready to go, excited to go, excited to be here, and I I like where we're at. So my my first big storyline is head coach Matt Rule. Like it, you may not think you're on a hot seat, but in the eyes of the Carolina Panther fans, we're all kind of looking at you extra hard this year to make sure some of the things that we've noticed, you know, time management, in-game decisions, things like that that the head coach uh does. Now he I will say that uh Matt Rule's not as stubborn as you expect an NFL coach to be. He did get off the whole Joe Brady thing, you know, pretty quick. Uh and it sounds like he was kind of recommended to hire Joe. Um, he got off the whole bringing in college coaches things, got some pro coaches in here to round out his staff, kept Phil Snow, uh, which I think was great because Phil's been doing his job, uh, you know, in terms of the defense and getting them together. But I do think Matt Rule is one of the big storylines going into 2022. Uh, if you're not in the state of North Carolina, pretty much the entire sporting uh, media pretty much has him one foot out the door already. Like, they've been, you know, it's nuts. It's like, oh, Matt Rule, we better start looking for a job. Here comes Sean Payton. I'm like, what? <laughs> what, what Look, if you look at most sports books to have those odds of the future coaches that get fired, I think you're going to see Matt Rule probably at the top of that, probably yeah. like 150 or something like that. But, <laughs> I mean, like you said, he's not stubborn. And I also think, too, like – some of those decisions last year or even the last two years where you were like, what the heck is he doing? Why are, why are these adjustments not being made? Why is this play being called? Why is this guy on the field? What? Why are we calling timeout here? What are we doing? 
why why are you kicking the field goal? Why are you punting? Like, why are you going for it? All these random questions that fans had during games. A lot of that could be taken off of his plate in terms of – or maybe not taken off his plate, but I think he'll be able to focus a lot more and really think about what those situations – he needs to do in those situations. When you have Ben McAdoo now, you have James Campen now, you have Paul Pasqualoni now, you have Steve Wilkes, you have guys that have been around the NFL for a very, very long time. Those guys will be able to help Matt Rule out. And I think having those guys will take less responsibility or more will take some of that responsibility of Matt Rule to go around the whole team to where he can just focus on being the CEO of the team. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't have to worry about are the DBs getting coached up right? Are they being told what to do? Is the D-line doing this? He can focus on being a head coach. And I think that's the biggest thing that he hasn't been able to do the past two years because, you know, no, I'm not trying to slight the, the guys that got fired. But they just didn't have that experience. They they weren't quite ready for those jobs. It showed too. It really showed too. And going back to your first uh, storyline about the quarterbacks, Felipe Cardona is joining us on YouTube right now, and he wanted to ask, "What do you think about that workout video with Baker and company excluding Robbie Anderson?" Um, I have not seen said video. I know that Baker. Yeah, I, I, I know Baker and uh, Sam together had the receivers together or the, the the offensive skill position players together, I think this past weekend, just to throw it around in Charlotte. I don't know how serious it is. Uh, I think Baker's the one that's, that put it together. Uh, I think Sam did this last year with them, kind of, yeah. sort of. But, uh, again, it's kind of different when it's like uh, Baker Mayfield to Sam Darnold in terms of uh, that. Now, I did see video or pictures of Baker Mayfield with, like, DJ Moore, I think Shaq Thompson and somebody else at the uh, the Charlotte FC game together. Uh, they were on the field walking together and waving at everybody and everything else. And people were like, oh, look, they're starting their uh, relationship early and stuff like that. I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's just like it's just a picture. It's just a picture. It's fine. But them reaching out to Baker, trying to make him feel included. Uh, I think like guys like DJ Moore, hell, Sam Darnold, I think he'll help get uh, Baker up to speed on the playbook. I don't take Sam as a guy to be like, you know, he knows what it is. Like at this point, he knows the situation. Yeah. So. He's been, and one of the, one of Matt rules, I like to call him ruleisms, right? Hmm. One of, one of his favorite, one of my favorite ruleisms is that he's an ultimate pro. And, and you know what, say what you want to say about Sam Darnold. I, I surely do. Um, I, I'm going to critique the guy when he's not playing well. I'm going to you know say some good stuff about him when he does, but the guys handled this situation better than I think a lot of quarterbacks around the league would have in his situation. Because you got to think, this is a guy who's a number three pick in the NFL draft just three, well, what, four years ago, right? Yeah. He's in his fifth year of his contract. So actually five. But for somebody to go from the Jets in that situation, they give up on you. Now you come to Carolina and you feel like you have a front office and a coaching staff that fully believes in you, trusts in you. And is giving you the keys to the, the the end to the car, and then a year later you're already seeing all these rumors about other quarterbacks being brought in via the draft, free agency, or trade. Yet he never once ever started any any type of drama. He just yeah, let yeah. whatever happened happen, and he even welcomed Baker in. I, I yeah, think he called him. Yeah, he called him up, which is weird, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I would call the guy that's been and, and, and to replace me. <laughs> so. I'd like to go back and look because obviously we know who was here last year, but I'm not exactly sure who was with him during his time in New York. But you almost wonder, does this make Sam feel more comfortable? 
because now he's got somebody else that's got experience in the NFL, has had some success, and maybe he's going to be able to, to relax a little bit because he doesn't feel that pressure of, you know, it's it's me or the guy that, you know, like P.J. Walker, who everyone knows is probably not going to be the guy. You know what I mean? I think yeah. having that little bit of security, even though you don't want to think like that, we know, like, as we just documented, his self-confidence isn't as high as some of, you know, the guys in that quarterback room, quite frankly. Yeah, no, that's all true. Um, so we'll keep an eye on the quarterback. What's your uh, your second? I'm trying to keep you on pace here because I know you're super busy uh, today. Yeah. What, what's your second uh, big storyline going into training camp? Second one, offensive line. And I think that's going to be very interesting to see how this pans out. To me, I'm expecting it to be Iquanu, Christensen, Bozeman, Corbett, Moten. So that's what I expect. Yes, but let's go. Who knows? <laughs> it, we've, we've heard that, you know, there's still some possibility that Brady could play left tackle, but I think that they're, they're going to almost keep him from doing that. They really want to get him in there at left guard. The thing I, I want to see is how does that left guard center competition look like? Because if Brady Christensen is has taken that step like Matt said he has, where he's not just one of the best players in the other line, but the entire team, then you got to figure that that line that that spot's already taken. So what's that do with Pat Elfline and Bradley Bozeman? Does the, I mean those two guys are going to battle it out at center? But to me, you know, if you if, if if it ends up somehow where they like Pat Elfline at center because he that's his better spot and he's getting paid you know you know decent money, um, I would rather him be at center than I would at left guard. Yeah. So Bozeman can play left guard, but is he better than Brady Christensen? So I think. Pat Elfline is going to be the center of those two position battles. But I also think there's all there's some guys on that offensive line that may be out of a job, like Dennis Daly, who's, I think, because of the additions they brought in this offseason, could be on the outside looking in. Cameron Irving, is he a guy that maybe is a veteran that gets cut? Get him out of here. <laughs> Get him out of That swing tackle, maybe. I don't know. Um, well, May. We did learn last year that, you know, depth, is a key on the offensive yeah. line. And we do know that uh, Matt Rule likes guys that can play multiple positions. So keep that in mind with some of these names that you're saying. Can they play guard? Can they play tackle too? Can they play center? Like that might and, be a determining factor. And that's why I think Cade Mays, even though he was a six-round pick, not very, you know, no one thinks that he's ready yet, but he can play all five positions. Like literally all – he had played every single offensive line spot in the spring. So they like him. The one guy I'm really interested to see what happens is Deontay Brown. Because he's he he had to shed thirty pounds since he got drafted, yet he's been battling injuries. He hasn't got quite into game shape yet. Didn't allow a sack at Alabama, but hasn't really you know done much here. He played in three games last year, had thirty snaps. Is he going to take a step this preseason? I think this preseason is going to be very crucial for him because if he doesn't show anything, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets let go. So it's just. It's a numbers game when it all comes down to everything. So we'll see what happens. Um, but I definitely expect this to be a much improved unit. And as we have said many, many times on various different shows, probably a top 12, top 14, maybe top 10 offensive line. If they can do that and be and go from where they were, which was probably 28th, 29th, 30th in the league in terms of uh, offensive line play, if they can be a top 15 unit, like it, you're talking literally probably an additional three wins just like right there because 
the Panthers don't really get blown out because of how good their defense is. If you really go back and look, since Matt Rule's been here, I think they've really only lost by, you know, more than 12 or 14 points, maybe once or twice. I can't even – I think I think Tampa blew them out towards the end of the year. Uh, I can't really remember any other times. Like, they went toe-to-toe with Kansas City and Arrowhead. Like, they can – they can play against these teams. Their problem has been getting over the hump and actually winning some of these close games. And you hope in year in year three that with the talent you brought in, that that'll be a little bit of a difference. My uh, my second uh, big storyline, and it's the other elephant that's sitting in the room, and it's been sitting there for about two years now. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, can he stay healthy? Um, this team is a completely different team when Christian McCaffrey is out there. Like, imagine being an opposing defensive coordinator. And you're having the scheme for the Panthers with a healthy Christian McCaffrey, as opposed to having a whole week scheming for the Panthers with Christian McCaffrey, not in uniform. Like it's just a completely different like mindset. Like, Oh, I can bring these guys now. Oh, I don't have to worry about the flat. Oh, that guy can't catch as well as CMC. I can, I can do this. I can take DJ Moore out the game. I can do all these different things with McCaffrey in the game. He, he there's a reason why Madden gave him the 98 or whatever they gave him for his rating or whatever, even though he hasn't played in two seasons. If he is not the jacked up chiseled Christian McCaffrey, which to be honest, he's always kind of looked like that. Even coming out of Stanford, he's always kind of had that physique, but something I thought that was super curious and great. One of my favorite NFL players of all time, Christian McCaffrey reached out to, and that's Marshall Falk in the off season, just to kind of get some hints and tips on, hey, what am I doing wrong? What should I do? I don't know if people remember uh, what Marshall Falk looked like with his shirt off. But it looked <laughs> like the dude never lifted a weight in his life, like literally. Like he it just he wasn't like that chiseled dude. And he, for the most part, avoided injury until towards the end of his career. He, he's been stressing it's really more about flexibility and, you know, working out that way and keeping – keeping those joints loose so that, you know, things don't stretch and pop and, and tear and things very quickly. Cause it's also just like tightly wound in there. And Christian says he's taking that to heart. The coaching staff, uh, Matt rule did mention they weren't going to change a whole lot with what they do with Christian, but then they turned around and pretty much held him out the entire mini camp that they just had. And I imagine he'll probably not play any preseason and he probably won't practice a whole lot in terms of contact. Uh, in the training camp either, I would imagine. I would imagine they're going to treat him with kid gloves going into this, which they should at this point. He'll be ready to go September 11. I'm not worried about that. But if they can keep Christian McCaffrey the majority of the season healthy, this Panther team turns from a 5-12 and 12 team into something else. And we yeah. haven't seen that yet. And I'm hoping – he's the key to me. He, it, Whichever quarterback is under center, will either one of them will benefit if Christian McCaffrey is their running back. If he's the tailback, Darnold or Mayfield, will have a much better stat line than if he's not in there. So for me, the second one is uh, CMC. What's yeah. your, uh, go ahead, if you want yeah, mean, to Yeah, just just real quick. I mean, I think, you know, Christian, you, know, you can sit there and say that running backs don't mean anything, and at the end of the day, they may not. But Christian's more than just a, than just a running back. We've all known this. He got paid so, like he was doing a running back, too. Yeah. So, I mean, if you, if you look at – the last two years, what's he played in 10 games? I think uh, so. Yeah. Ever since he signed the deal, he's played in like 10 of like, what was it? Like 24 available games or something like that. So, yeah. so I mean, you, Matt rule has no idea what it's even like to, 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 and, you know, to have Christian McCaffrey. So to That's me, true. like we don't know what a Matt rule coach team, what the healthy Christian McCaffrey can do. Does it make them, does it, Get, take them from a five-win team to a ten-win team. I don't know, but 
we don't, nobody knows. Like we have no, no history of it. So I think that's going to be interesting. Um, if, if he can get, I say 13 to 14 games in, I think there'll be, you know, kind of on that, that cusp of the playoffs, but um, I don't know. It's going to be tough. I think we'll have to see how it, ha- how it, how it uh, unfolds, but I think he will be healthy this year. It's my bold prediction. Um you can come back and yell at me if I'm wrong. I was going to say, we got to do bold predictions in a couple of weeks for a whole episode. So we'll circle, we'll put a pin in that and come back around to uh, <laughs> to that in a couple of weeks here. Um, what's your third and final biggest storyline of the uh, upcoming 2022 Panthers training camp? Yes, yeah, so my third one is going to be that third wide receiver. And actually, Ooh. depending on who you're talking about here, you could say maybe number two. Because does Robbie Anderson look like he did last year? Does he look like he did two years ago? Or is it kind of a little bit of both? Mm. Um, because if Terrace Marshall can finally take that step, now I know he's only been in Carolina a year, but we saw those glimpses last year in preseason. We saw it all training camp. We get to the regular season, disappears. We get back to the offseason workouts. You see him in mini camp and OTAs. Dude looks phenomenal. Uh, does that happen again, or does it carry over to regular season play? And now he's the, the the cemented number three receiver because if he comes up and steps up in production, you've got DJ Robbie Terrace, and then you also have Rashard Higgins, who's not too bad of a number four option. Too. That's right, and has the relationship with Baker coming from Cleveland. So you have four receivers. You have the two tight ends and Tommy and Ian, and then you've got those running backs in the backfield. Like, that's a lot to work with for Ben McAdoo. But if Robbie isn't himself again, or is what he was a year ago, and Terrace Marshall doesn't take that step, this whole offense can't tap into another level. They're going to stay right where they were, which is probably bottom three, bottom four of the league. So it's who steps up as that number three receiver. Is it Terrace Marshall? Is it, is it Rashard Higgins? Is it maybe even Shai Smith? I don't, I don't know. But I think one of those guys has to step up. And if it's Terrace Marshall, like I said, he could maybe leapfrog Robbie and be the number two guy. And I think the Panthers would actually love to see that happen because he's going to be cheaper longer down, you know, when it comes to con- or over the next couple of years. Maybe if if he shows out and out competes Robbie this year, you can maybe trade Robbie in the offseason. And now you got Terrace as your number two. So, this is a big, big season for for Terrace Marshall. I um, I I totally agree. Uh, I like the Higgins pickup when they did it, especially now with Baker here because he's going to have somebody that kind of knows his tendencies and things of that sort. So that might actually help Rashard uh, in the end having Baker here. Um, was Terrace Marshall a Joe Brady pick? Do you think? You think they did that just because Joe Brady was the offensive coordinator and had a relationship with him at LSU, and then when Brady was let go, it kind of put Marshall kind of out there in the wind by himself. Do you think? That had anything to do with it? I, I think it, it may have had a little bit to do with it. That history, obviously, you know, I'm sure Joe vouched for him in the, in the pre-draft process and everything. But, you know, actually, I'd probably say it had a lot to do with it. Yeah, it's really <laughs> the guy was never the guy at LSU, right? He was like the fourth option in that right. offense. Right, yeah, and that crazy offense. Uh, but, I mean, I like the flashes we did see. It was kind of odd that he was kind of a scratch uh, for multiple games at the end of the year when you would think they would be playing some of the younger guys to get a look at them. And we just didn't really see a lot of Terrence uh, as the season went on, but you know, he's that off season dude. We, we hear about him a lot in the off season, you know, showing out in camp and everything else. So the pre-season, darling. Yeah, preseason darling. So we'll see, I'm sure we're going to see a lot of uh, TM uh, during the preseason 
this year is Baker and Sam, hell, and PJ and Matt are going to be throwing at him uh, in these uh, preseason games. My uh, my third and final uh, big training camp storyline is a guy that a lot of people forgot about but I'm super excited to see, and that's last year's first-round draft pick, J.C. Horn. Uh, from all accounts, he's 100% uh, healthy, ready to go. Um, you had posted uh, an article on uh, All Panthers uh, for uh, for Sports Illustrated um, back in June, actually, uh, where there was a, a list of bandwagons to hop on in 2022 from Adam Shine of NFL.com, and it had in it a number of different things, and one of the things was J.C. Horn. Uh he only played really two and a half games last season. He got hurt in the third game against Houston, which was basically a devastating game for the Panthers. They lost McCaffrey in that game. They lost Horn in that game. I think they lost the lineman in that game. Uh, they just got beat up on a short week, and it kind of affected the rest of the season. But J.C. Horn, people forget, he was only allowing a 39.6 passer rating uh, against him, and he had an interception against the Saints the week before. Uh, he was drafted eighth overall. He got drafted over Patrick Sertain II, over Micah Parsons, over Justin Fields, Mac Jones, uh, the first cornerback off the board, if I'm not mistaken. And they feel like he can be a shutdown corner. He's pretty much everything you want on a cornerback in today's NFL. He's uh, loud. He's boisterous. He's just like his dad, Joe Horn, the former wide receiver from the, the Saints. Uh, you know, he he's very confident in his abilities. You kind of want that in a cornerback in terms of, Cornerback and wide receiver are like the two positions that are basically out on an island by themselves. And you have to kind of have some sort of the best wide receivers, the best cornerbacks, if you think back on them, are usually ones that have some sort of attitude or some sort of self-confidence. So, like, you could be someone like a Jalen but you could also be like somebody like a Jerry Rice, where he's not going to be arrogant and in your face, but he's so super confident in his abilities, he just looks different than everybody else. So it's like that – and J.C. Horn – kind of sits in that Josh Norman world of cornerbacks where he's got a lot of confidence in himself. He's going to talk, 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 but he can kind of back it up. And with him being, uh, what, 23, 24, it was a freak injury, broke his foot. By all accounts, everything's good to go. I saw him make some crazy one-handed catch online uh, a week or two ago that just looked impossible to do that he did with ease. I'm looking forward to seeing him uh, in the secondary which to me is the strongest group out of all the groups on the Panthers. It's the secondary. They're the deepest. They've got talent. Uh, Dante Jackson will be starting on the other side from him. You got CJ Henderson that'll probably play slot. These are all first round guys. Well, Dante wasn't a first round guy. He was drafted in the second or third, but he's played himself into a new contract. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, Steve Wilkes, is he back as the secondary coach? Is that the position he took? So last time Steve Wilkes was here, was during, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was during that season where Josh Norman had a, a career year um, and the secondary was just literally just snatching things out of the air. I want to see this secondary with Steve Wilkes coaching it after the year they had last year to have Steve Wilkes back in the house with the experience he has. And we already know what he's going to do on defense. We know how he gets down. I think the secondary can have a career year collectively for Carolina. And the way the, the league is now with pass, 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 if you've got a pass defense that's not allowing a lot of stuff, you're in pretty good company. We were basically back and forth with Buffalo uh, all year last year in terms of one and two pass defense, overall defense. And, uh, of course, Buffalo had more on the offensive side of the ball, so they were able to do a lot more. But 
we were we were right there with them defensively, which sounds crazy to say because everyone's on the Buffalo bandwagon. No one is on the Panther defense bandwagon. And I get it. You got to you, know, you got to do something to get people on the bandwagon. But I, again, whenever the Panthers have a really good year, the, na- the national media, they, they weren't picking them early when the national media picks them early. That's when they have a bad year. <laughs> it's usually it's usually the year after they have the surprise good year. So like 20, uh, 2003, they make it to the Super Bowl. They're the last undefeated team in the regular season. The media is like, oh, my gosh, they've got like a dynasty brewing here. Oh, so 2004, it's like everyone, Sports Illustrated, everybody's picking the Panthers to go back to the Super Bowl. What happens? Steve Smith breaks his leg. First game, Monday Night Football against the Packers. They lose like their first like eight games or something nuts. And then DeLome leads them on like a seven-game win streak at the end of the year. And they almost sneak into the playoffs. But again, it's because the national media picked them. Same thing 2015. Nobody picked the Panthers to to go 14 and 0 to start the season and Cam Newton have an MVP year. They were seven, eight, and one the year before. Like no one picked them to do this. And they come out of nowhere, take the nation by storm. You got old, old white ladies dabbing on like street corners. And you know what I mean? Like it's just craziness. Like everyone's all on board for this. They get to the Super Bowl. They pick the wrong day to have a bad day. The national media jumps on the bag wagon again. Oh, 2016. Who's going to be in the Super Bowl? It's the Panthers versus everybody else. Like, they've already decided it's going to be the Panthers. What happens? The whole thing falls apart. Like, that's the pattern the Panthers have had, no matter the coach. If they've had a great year and got to the Super Bowl, the next year the whole media is on top of them, and they just fall under expectations. I'm not saying they're going to make the Super Bowl. I'm not saying they're even going to win the division. I'm just saying nobody's picking them, and they've got some talent. That's that's all. Yeah. That's all. the, The secondary real quick. Phil Snow had said like we that that they had played very well in in the secondary. Obviously, if you just look at the numbers, but there were certain situations where they didn't hold up, they didn't get off the field, and I think that's kind of the one of the next steps they need to take. The other thing is they need to create more turnovers, and I think when you bring in a guy like Steve Wilkes, he's going to teach these guys like you can't always just play conservative. There's a time to be aggressive. There's a time to be a, a, a you know a little bit relaxed and but you have to find that balance and I think with JC Horn being healthy we didn't get to see him like us like you said we saw him for what two and a half games yeah so I think he's a guy that's going to create a bunch of turnovers because when you look at the other other side you got Dante Jackson everyone knows Dante Jackson they're going to sit there and try and pick on JC Horn all year long and it's not going to (laughs) work yeah please do (laughs) I think it's going to end up well they're going to create more turnovers they're going to get off the field in more situations. That aggression is going to be there more than it was a year ago. And, you know, I think that they're just going to take that whole, that whole secondary to another level. Xavier Woods, I'm telling you, mark it down now, July 25th. Yes. This is going to be one of the most key additions for this defense. You may not hear his name because he's not going to be maybe picking 10 balls off or, you know, doing a whole bunch of stuff like that. But, he is going to be a key cog in the back end of that defense, communicating, making sure people are where they're supposed to be, help being a leader in that back end with that young secondary. So Xavier Woods is going to help take this, this defense to another level, just like Steve Wilkes. Xavier Woods and Jeremy Chin at safety with Dante Jackson and J.C. Horn. And they, kind of play a, they play a nickel kind of. They play like a 5-2 like amoeba defense type thing. It's like, it's like a 3-3 three, three, five kind of layout that switches around a lot and i kind of started noticing what they were doing halfway through the year because sometimes they'll line four sometimes they'll bring three they'll go from three four to four three like in the middle of a series kind of multiple 
<laughs> yeah, and most of the guys that are out there can stay out in the field. So you're probably looking at a secondary of J.C. Horn, uh, Jeremy Chin, Xavier Woods, C.J. Henderson, and uh, uh, oh Dante Jackson. So, I mean, that's going to be your five right there. And you've got guys like Troy Pride that can come in. Uh, not anymore. He's not here. He's not oh, there. Is he gone now? I yeah, he they let him go. <sighs> they, they, do, they still do have uh, Rashawn Melvin. Uh, yep. Kalen Barnes, a seventh round pick. Stanley That's Thompson, right. potentially. Shout out to Barnes, who got the highest speed rating in Madden, uh, even though he was, you know, seven round pick. He ran a, what, a 4 2 4, something at the 40, huh? uh, something nut like Bo Jackson speed. Yeah, it, it, I don't know exactly what he ran, but yeah, he was, he's, he's an absolute flyer. And I, I don't think he's going to play much on, spe- on uh, corner at corner, but special teams, that's where he can leave his mark. Can he return? Can he return kicks? And stuff? Good question. I don't know if he did much of that um, at Baylor. He may have flirted with a little bit. Of, I can't remember off the top of my head, but well, as, as a gunner, I mean, yeah, I, I would take him as a I mean, you want just a guy on the roster as a gunner, but yeah, I was so saying like a four-two-four speed. I want to. I want him out there with the uh, the jug machine, just learning how to catch kickoffs and punts, and like, hey, we got to figure out something. You could be like, you know the next dude on kickoffs or whatever that gets known for under two and uh, Andre Roberts. So, so we'll, we'll see if Barnes and these other guys that got picked later in the draft, but have special attributes that uh, Matt rule likes speed, especially this is a fast team. This is a fast team across the board, the way they built it, offense, defense, special teams. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with them as we go forward. We're at the end uh, here. I got to get Skylar out of here. Uh, we'll be back next week. Our new times Mondays, uh, we'll start dropping these new episodes on Mondays, uh, probably after um, the Panther press conference, because they're usually on Monday afternoons, right? So we'll probably drop these mid-afternoon for the season. So you've got the entire se- uh, the entire week to listen to or watch the podcast. Uh, congratulations to Believe. Uh, in the offseason, they made a deal with SiriusXM Radio. We are now on SiriusXM, the app. So if you have that app on your phone or tablet or device, you can pull up Believe and all the uh, programs. I believe there's a a Believe podcast for each of the NFL teams right now. We are happy to be your Carolina Panther podcast for that. If not, you can catch us on any major podcast format, uh, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Anchor, pretty much anywhere. Uh, it's on TuneIn, if I'm not mistaken, as well. And, of course, you can catch the video version of this on the Tobacco Road Sports Radio YouTube channel, uh, as well as our Facebook pages and my LinkedIn and Twitter accounts. So, uh, for Skylar Callahan, again, on Twitter, Callahan underscore. Follow him through the week at training camp at Panthers. Desmond uh, Johnson, my Twitter account, uh, Des, D-E-Z underscore 3505. We'll be back next week. We might open a mailbag or something. I don't know. Let's do something uh, with the fans and see where, where their minds are at because they're all probably worried about something that we haven't even addressed. So <laughs> we'll uh, get to that uh, as we get into this preseason as well. But from a man, Skylar, I'm Des. We will talk to you next week. You've been listening and watching the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. Keep pounding. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.